Scott Show on a Wednesday morning. Joining me from the road this week, as he does each Wednesday during football season, the legend, Gerald Broussard, is in the house. Gee, what is happening, my friend? Oh, just another day, bro. Just, just, just kind of spending my day the way I do most Wednesdays. As you said, on the road, I, I sure enjoyed being with you last week. It just it, it don't happen near enough. Well, I'm I'm glad we're able to do it over the phone line. Um, and and yes, Jared and I, you know, he's the color analyst for the Rage of Cajuns, and we talk UL football. But we also hit on some some other things. G, did you um, did you get to watch much NFL this week or not really? Yeah, I watched the Saints, and and actually, I was laying some artificial grass. I don't want to call it field turf, but. Uh, in the back of the house, and then I tape the Saints, and, and Julie comes running out. She said, they're fighting, they're fighting. And I said, well, don't turn it off. <laughs> and so she had a ball. She ended up watching just about the whole thing. And, and uh, so I, I watched it, and I watched the highlights on the rest of the stuff. But, I, you know, I, I, I coach on offense most of the time, Scott, but, but to see what the Saints and both, both sides of the ball were able to do defensively, that was impressive. I mean, I, you know, that they're fighting, they're fighting. It's hard to believe it was three to three then, and uh, some stuff changed after that. But um, yeah, w- w- like in your years of playing and coaching, what's the biggest scuffle that either you or a team you played for was involved in? Oh, um, I was I was never involved in anything that that, that got caught on camera. You know, most of the stuff, personally, was just small stuff. And I, I, I don't remember anything big uh, that I was coaching in. So, I, I mean, I, I had friends that were coaching at FIU for the FIU. Well, you know Hurley Brown. Uh, Hurley used to coach here with, with us at, at UL on Coach Bustle staff. And, and he and Kevin Fuquay were on that FIU staff that got involved in that Miami deal. Oh, and so man. I was now never that involved was, in anything like that. That was more than a just a scuffle. Chick- chicken fights but right 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 that that I mean look what happened sunday in the saints game that was a little scuffle that was nothing crazy that fiu miami game from back in the day that was that was really nasty i mean that was that was an actual like brawl yeah that that was a fight i mean that was a sure enough fight and, and look that was a gang fight you know that was uh yeah people swinging hell it was you know most of the time it's just pushing and shoving and and be honest, Scott, uh, most of the fights that I was ever around or ever involved in, it all, it all happened to practice with your own teammates and, and, and you know, those, those kind of things. And, yeah, and I think that that's something that's happened. You know, uh, Evans and Lattimore go against each other and have been going against each other so much that they just, you know, they get under each other's skin. And they, I'm sure they probably talk in off season. They may, you know, may even be pals. I don't know. But uh, on game day, they, they're not friends. Yeah, they, they, no, they, I don't think they're friends on any day. Um, I don't think Lattimore should have been ejected, uh, or if he did, Fournette should have as well. But, you know, uh, he goes out and Brady starts attacking PJ Williams and 
They get a couple of calls that go their way. Saints make a few mistakes, and before you know it, the game's over. But um, that that Saints offense, man, I was talking to a, a, a doctor yesterday who deals with sports injuries and stuff, and, you know, he, he kind of, I mean, he's the expert, so um, I'm glad he agreed with me at least on this. I mean, Jameis's throws, certainly the deep ones, seem to be impacted by his injury, Gerald. I, I want I got a two-part question for you here. Let's start with the player side of it. Now, I know you weren't a quarterback. You were an old lineman. Um, like, is there a point where you realize as a player, man, I, I might be too injured to where I'm I'm hurting the team by playing, or do you do you even have that thought? Is it look, if I'm if I am healthy enough to be on the field, no matter what, I'm gonna do it. Like what what was your approach as a player? And then I'll just ask the follow-up now. What is your approach to that as a coach when dealing with a player who is healthy enough to play but may not be helping the team as a result of it? Well, and, and I went through several things as a player, Scott, just different lower body injuries and, and, and you know, with, with the back and with nerve damage in one leg and, and with a, a knee reconstruction and then had my hands, I, I, I broke a few fingers and stuff like that. That never bothered me. Actually, coming back from the back, the first time I, I was going through spring ball and, and I, I wasn't good. I mean, guys that I could block before the injury, I couldn't. I just couldn't get out of my stance. And, uh, I mean, I was just very limited. And after about a week coming back from it, uh, I went and talked to my offensive line coach, and, and I just told him, said, Look. and it wasn't that I thought I was hurting the team. It was just I was very frustrated with my lack of ability to do what I thought used to be easy. And I, I, we, his name was Cushley Rogers. We called him the dude. But uh, I, I said, dude, look, I got to go. And he said, what do you mean you got to go? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm garbage. And I suck. And, and if I can't play better than this, I just don't even want to be around it. And I was going to quit. And he, he told me, he said, look, give it another week. If, if, if you're as bad as you are right now, I'll help you because we don't want you anyway. He said, but it's going to take some time to get back into it. And that next scrimmage, Scott, I had a real good scrimmage. And I was glad that he talked me into giving it another week. And then things kind of turned the light, turned back on, and I was back to my own self again. It just took a while. But as a player, you never admit that, that I mean, if you can be out there, that I had to be so bad that, that I was just tired of getting beat by people who never beat me before that I, I was ready just to quit the, the game. And then I came back, was okay, ended up getting hurt again. They have reconstructed knee surgery, came back from that. And I know I wasn't the player I was before, but I, heck, I thought I was Anthony Munoz. I didn't care. I was just getting to play. And, you know, they would send somebody in to get me off the field, and I, I, I'd, I'd move to a different position and send another guy out. I just didn't want to come off the field. I wanted to play. I wanted to get as many snaps as I could because I was enjoying myself. And uh, I, I didn't care how bad I was. I just wanted to play. And and as as a player, you just want to be out there, and you always think that, you know, just give me a chance and I'll get it better. As a coach, I mean, you know, you, you hear the term a player doesn't lose their, their position to injury. A player loses their position by lack of ability to, to, to be good. And, 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 and that's only when somebody else is able to replace you. And, and, and so as a coach, you're always – tell the players all the time your job is is to to fight hard to maintain your position my job is to try and replace you every year with a better player now that better player may be you by just getting better right but but 
you know, that that's the whole part of it is. And, and look, as long as you communicate, they don't have to agree. But as long as you communicate with your players, and, and and you know me well enough, Scott, I think I think if you were cook, you'd be similar. We have the ability to verbalize a little bit, uh-huh. and and just talk, just talk, and don't be scared of the hard conversations, and and allow your players to talk back. And, and I, now I don't mean disrespectful when I say talk back. Just allow two way communication. Too many times a coach will tell you. Hey, you know, do it because I said so or because I'm the coach. Well, if a guy's got a true question and, and you don't think that they're just doing it just to, to kill time or to slow that progress down of a drill or something like that, if there, if there is some true concern, then, then, then talk. And, and usually, you know, like they don't always agree. And I've had it happen before, but, but they don't always agree. But as long as you talk, then, then I think things are going to be okay. Talking about it, talking through it, and then as a coach, you know, I, we, we could look at the Cajuns, right? I remember Coach Desermo. I mean, that dude, he played through some injuries. There was a game at FAU. Who was the backup um, when, when Mike was older? Uh, was it, it was Connor? What was, what was his name? The Brads. Uh, Brad McGuire. But, and, but and, bef- uh, before and, uh, them, who was uh, it? Before, before McGuire and, and, Mace, and Chris Mason – wasn't there a uh, Connor or a Cooper or something? I, I wish there I was could. a Morrell, a Connor Morrell. Toops, maybe I was did. there a Toops? I, I, it's my fault. I wish I could remember the young man's name. Um, I just remember a game, and maybe, maybe I'm thinking. Of, I just remember a game when Mike got hurt. It might not have been him. One of the backups came in late in the game, maybe, and they, they were. It was at FAU, and they I think they lost the game. But he was. I mean, I, I remember being on the sideline toward the end of the game for the post-game interview and just seeing him just like he was not going to come off the field unless he was forced to. But he was playing hurt, and he would he'd probably remember the game better than I would. But um, I, when it's a quarterback, man, it's like I, I feel like it's it's by nature the position, and we'll get into it, it's just different. It's looked at different. And if a guy's too hurt to play – but they're able to. I don't. I don't see many quarterbacks saying I'm not. Maybe Jay Cutler, but I don't see too many quarterbacks saying I'm not going out there. Especially one like Jameis, who's lost his starting job before when he was suspended for a few games in Tampa, and Ryan Fitzpatrick took over and then got to keep the job for a while. So, you know, as a coach, it's a tough spot to be in. But if you're if you're a player and you get on the field, even if you're hurt. I, I don't think it can be like it's part of the narrative. It's part of the discussion, but I, it doesn't, I think, absolve you from criticism either, right? Like if you're going to be out there, even if you're not, you know, if, if the injury is impacting your game um, in a significant way, you're still, I think it's the, the criticism is fair and it needs to be. And, and as a coach, you've got to be able to to make a decision. And I don't know, man, I'm, I'm rambling here, Gerald, but I think you know what I mean. When it comes to a quarterback – like if if a coach doesn't get involved, they're just going to keep going out there. And at some point, you know, it's some positions, Gerald, you know, and, and some injuries rather, it's easier to mask than others. And there there's some injuries depending on what it is and what position you're playing where it's impossible not to be impacted in a major way in how you're playing the game. Well, and, and I understand what you're saying. And, and look, Scott, if you're out there, if you're on the field, the expectation level is the same as to whether you're, you're let's just say, quote-unquote, 100% or 50%. It doesn't matter. 
if you're out there, there's an assumption that you can you can do whatever is required of you, and and and, and that could change. I mean, a coach can can impact that with some of the play call and stuff. But I know as as a lineman, as a lineman, if you're out there and your guy beat you, and somebody, you know, somebody else takes the the, the you know takes a big hit because of, they don't care that you are hurt. You know, you, you you let the team down by doing that. Same thing as a quarterback. The difference of a quarterback is is that, you know, everybody else relies on you. You know, you you talk about about Jameis and stuff, and people talk about his arm, but you throw with your legs. I mean, you, you, you generate velocity and volume with with balance in your lower body. And, and, and so, you know, a, a lot of things you can see or may may not see. You know, he may not be limping or whatever, but does he have the same rotation in his lower body? Does he have the same leg strength? Does he have the same drive out of his lower body? Can he get to balance? Can he – you know, it just there are a lot of things that go with that position, being able to make to, to make things happen with that position. And, and – um, you know, it, it, and it's look. It's not often fair with a quarterback, but that's just the way it is. And the, the other part of it is, is that you know, it, when I was playing offensive line, Scott, it, it took five guys to be better than me for me not to get on the field. Because I was going to play somewhere. You know, I'm, I might not be able to be the, the the left tackle if there's a better left tackle, but that left guard, he had better be better than me, or, or the right guard or the right tackle, or even the center. I, I you know, I, I was going to. You get somebody out of position if need be because it took five guys to be better than me. Well, at the quarterback, all it takes is one. And all it, all it takes is an opportunity for that one guy to have his moment. And, and look, he doesn't have to have it. I mean, he doesn't have to all of a sudden uh, turn into to Wally Pip. It's just that, you know, you just you end up with, with minimal opportunities. And then, the, you know, let, let's just say that, 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 that Jameis comes off the field and somebody else comes in for him, whoever that somebody is, you know, because it could be somebody on the team now or somebody not on the team, and then he doesn't get it, you know, he, he loses it for a couple of weeks. They may fill it with somebody. He may get a shot later. But but he, you just don't want to run that risk. Now, he's not going to be the guy to pull himself. Ever. The coach has to be the guy right. to pull it. Right, right. And, and I thought ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. There were a lot of fans that were – Hey, it's on the coaches. They shouldn't let them play. I think I, I think it's a difficult situation when it's the first game that you're going into as as it starts, knowing he's injured, because you have team doctors that are telling you it's a it's a it's a pain threshold, right? His back cannot get his spine cannot get worse, at least where the injury is right now. It's just so it's a matter of pain. When you go talk to the player, you know, can you handle it? Absolutely. So then what do you do as a coach? Well, then the game starts, and then, okay, do you pull him in the middle of the game? What's well, 3-3? Three to three. I mean, he's not playing good, but he's not playing, like, horrendous at that point. So you're kind of just stuck. You know what I mean? And I, I think it's easy in the moment to be like, they should have never let him out there. Well, you don't – you don't you – have, you haven't seen it yet. Uh, well, you saw it in the fourth quarter against Atlanta, and he, my guess is when he went into the injury tent, he probably got something to numb the pain a little bit. Uh, and right when an injury happens, there's some more adrenaline, right? I mean, Gerald, I'm sure there are times you played, you might have sprained an ankle and played on it the rest of the game. And meanwhile, the next day you get out of bed and you, you can't walk, right? So it's the injury's different. You know, some injuries are different in the moment than they are. You know, heck, when, when Drew Brees broke, you know, half the ribs in his body in a San Francisco game, he didn't exit the game right away. He, he threw a touchdown on the next play 
and then didn't come out in the second half. So, you know, these these are just examples, but it's it's easy to nitpick from afar, man. It's I think it's far greater in the moment, and I think when it's a quarterback, it becomes even more difficult. Uh, ESPN Lafayette. Gerald, before we, we talk some college football, one more thing on the pros. How about Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions? They've scored 71 points in two games, G. I mean, uh, shout out Lions. They're one and one. They they played the Eagles to three. The Eagles look really good. I mean, you saw them on Monday Night Football. Um, the Lions, man, um, I, I think their defense isn't great. You know, obviously we, we root for Tracy Walker, but – you know they've got some players like Tracy and obviously the the young rookie out of out of Michigan, but uh, but offensively they got they got a team there, man. They're gonna they're gonna win some games this year. I was I was happy to see that on Sunday. I really was, and, and just when you mentioned the Lions, I got a quick little three song run through my spine and a little chills because I, I I was I was excited for it after watching the Hard Knock series and stuff, and and I'm pulling hard for the defense too because Aaron Glenn. I mean, just I'm a fan of his. And I want to see him get that turned around. Look, Kate, uh, you know, Tracy being there and, and Aiden Hutchinson, I, I think he, I liked his, his little story uh, during the hard knocks, and, and I think he's going to be a really good player. But uh, no, they've, they've got a, a good football team right now, and look, they get after it. And, and I'm anxious to get to see. I don't, I don't have the NFL ticket, and, and they're not going to be a, a, a prime time draw often. But, but I, I do think that. You know, a lot of people may have become a fan like like you and I have, and and, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for them, excited about them, and and just uh, all it takes is one or two stops during the game, and then hopefully your offense uh, keeps it going. And then you know, look, I, I'm pulling for Jared Goff, a, a guy that was kind of you know thrown aside for somebody else, and, and I, I I just I, maybe a little redemption story for him. Hope I hope he can make things happen. So now. I'm excited about Detroit, and I look forward to hoping to get to see him soon. Amon St. Brown is—he's one of the best receivers in the league, and I don't care how big he is. The stats back it up. He's doing big things, and and he was an absolute steal. And I don't—I don't think the Lions are are going to the Super Bowl or anything like that. I don't want to get carried away, but you know, Jay Walker and I were talking yesterday. Obviously, from an NFL standpoint, I mean, I kind of live and die with the Saints. But then after that, they're, they're teams I don't live and die with, but like I, I want good things for them because of their fan base and, and maybe because of their history. So I think the Bills are the best team in the league. And when it comes to postseason heartbreak, I mean, they're right up there with any of them. I mean, four straight Super Bowl losses and then the wrong side of the Music City miracle. And then that game last year against Kansas City, which was just nuts. I mean, 13 seconds and you lose it. So... Um, good fan base, you know, they've never won the big one. The Lions have only won a few playoff games since, you know, the, the NFL, AFL merger. Um, and I, you know, if good things happen for those teams and I know the bills are a good bit better than the Lions, then I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. As long as it doesn't impact the saints in a negative way, I'm all, I'm all for it. Sure. And and look, I am pulling for them. And, and, you know, I, I remember when Josh Allen got drafted and, and people were talking about him and, 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 you know, was he going to be a bust or whatever. Uh, David Culley, our friend, David was a quarterback coach in Buffalo at the time. And, and so, I, you know, kind of paid attention to him a little bit. And, you know, he didn't have the rookie year that he had hoped to have. And, and, and you know, just seeing him come back from it, and, and that's been exciting. You know, you talk about St. Brown and stuff that with dude from, from the – Hard Knocks, his whole family yeah. is fighters. Oh, yeah. 
and uh, I got I didn't know of them before. I had seen now. a sixty minutes piece on his dad from years ago, and 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 at this time his three sons were were younger. They were they were uh, two of them were in college. One was in high school, and the piece it was kind of. It, the 60 Minutes piece was a lot more, it was 60 Minutes Sports. It was a lot more sensationalized than, you know, Hard Knocks, I think, made it a bit more fun. The 60 Minutes piece, I mean, their dad, former, you know, uh, Mr., you know, he competed in, in Mr. Universe and all these bodybuilding competitions, and his his wife is from Germany, and he he came up with his own sort of, uh, muscle kind of not creatine, but something. Think of it. I don't remember what the name of it was. And he put his his wife's dad on the front because he's like, look, if you see a muscle thing, and the, and the guy was like, well, wait, is is your father in law a doctor? Like, yeah, like a medical doctor. No, but I figured, you know, he's a doctor. I put him on it. He gives it a thumbs up. You know, an older white guy in a, in a in a, in a doctor, you know, in a in a jacket. You know, we can sell more of it and. And he's like, and I, I'm not interested in anyone else training my kids how to lift weights and, than, than me. And I'm training them to be professional football players, and that's what I'm doing. And here we are years later, and, um, you know, two of them are in the NFL right now. They all seem like great young men. And, you know, I, I got to look at, at at the same, you know, Amon's dad and be like, he, he knew what he was doing. He was right. Like the 60 minutes piece almost, they were trying to leave it open, isn't it? Like, is he doing – you know, too much, or is this good for his kids? And I would say that he knew exactly what he was doing because uh, his kids are successful, and and they, I mean, it, his sons are some good football players, man. Well, and and you worry about the Marinovich doctor, right? That that was, that's the name I couldn't but, think of, but yeah, they were the sixty minutes piece. They brought that up, like, is it too far? And and their dad was like, "How dare you insinuate that?" Like, that's what I remembered from the piece. Yeah. But the relationship that he had with them, not just training them, but the people they've become. And I'm sure their mom had a lot to do with that, you know, being European and stuff and coming over, had a more, more of a worldly effect than just isolated and insulated into their, their day-to-day. But, but I mean, they just seem like really good guys, too. You know, well-rounded, intelligent, articulate, and they train like psychos. And, and, and that's a good thing. You know, and, and I, they seem like a really close and, 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 and close family. And no, I'm I'm a fan. I I thought it was neat. And you know, you you can push your kids as long as you love your kids. And and, and I think that you, it's kind of what I see it. I that family. Yeah, John Brown uh, grew up in Compton, a two-time Mister Universe. So. Shout out to him, man. Um, he, he he put him on any strength and conditioning staff and just let him run it because he will have them ready to go. We'll take- well, if you put him on, put him on it. He's gonna run it. He's not a step back guy. He's not a number two. He's a number one. Shout out to uh, the St. Brown family. Uh, Gerald Broussard, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Brady. We're gonna take a quick timeout. We'll come back, hit on uh, the Sun Belt, Rage Cajun football, uh, lost. First time in over a calendar year. Some are panicking. Others are saying it's nothing. What is it exactly? We'll dig into that. Take a look at the game this Saturday against ULM and more. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. All up 
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Wednesday. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Gerald Broussard in the house. Well, not in the house, in his car. But joining me on a Wednesday morning, he is traveling uh, for his job, and we appreciated him joining us. And we were uh, talking some NFL football in the last segment. Let's talk a little college football, Gerald. Um, Cajuns dropped the game on Saturday at Rice. Uh, it was uh, a, a bad performance offensively. Uh, Coach Desimo, after the game, put everything on him uh, completely, took responsibility for all of it. And, you know, they lost the game. I mean, it, it, they had won 15 in a row. They lost. And kind of what we were talking about earlier, like you, there's obviously when you lose or when you're struggling somewhere, I, I understand criticism. Um, and I was talking to Jay about this this week. I have even accepted the fact that when I'm on social media during a game that, Look, it, it, people are look. People are human. They're going to be in their emotions during a game. You can get carried away and tweet something ridiculous. But when you have a few days to kind of, you know, decompress and get over it, and you still have some really over the top analysis, that's when I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't take you serious, right? I'll, I'll forgive something in the moment. Um, so, uh, despite some of the overreaction. Um, what, what is the proper reaction from a performance that certainly is concerning, but you know, uh, it's a single loss and a team that's, that's had a lot of success lately. So Gerald, now that you've had time to sort of analyze and decompress, what is, what in your mind is the proper reaction coming off of last Saturday's loss to the Rice Owls? I think my personal reaction was disappointment simply because look, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm I'm a, I'm used to losing. I I understand it. I understand how to lose. Um, you know, and and I, that doesn't mean you accept losing. But but I I've been through it a bunch. Of, you know, as as a coach, as a player. You know, in in, in my personal life and in business and and uh, just in my own personal life, you you understand when things don't go your way, you don't get a win for the day or whatever. What to do with it? But this was one that. You know, to me, it was disappointing because it was one you let get away. Um, you know, this wasn't a team that was better than you. I was talking to to a person yesterday morning on the phone, and he said, and he said, you know, Rice executed some good things. He said, but he said, was was their talent level that much greater than the Cajuns? And I told him, no, I didn't think it was at all. Uh, I think the Cajuns had a higher talent level. Now Rice's execution level was was far superior to the Cajuns. But the Cajun defense, Scott, Scott played well. Uh, and, and, you know, just actually I th- thought they played well enough to win if they got any help. Uh, and, and, look, it, it was some letdowns from special teams and the offense. I know, you know, Scott, uh, I'm sure Coach Dez talked about his, you know, because he's so involved in the offense as the, you know, he's the head coach, but he is the offense coordinator. Uh, he's a play caller, and they all set it up together. But, but he's the play caller in there too. So, uh, and, and I know he's got to put up with all this stuff. But, but for me personally, it was more disappointment because this was one. Um, I, I told you my my concerns were with the streak coming in the end was more at Marshall. The more I paid attention to stuff this year, I was thinking, ah, now South Al, it could be a chore here coming in in October. But even yeah, after watching film, I told Jay after the first uh, couple of series of the game, I said, look, I felt good coming in, but I feel even better now 
And that's when Rice had the lead. I said, you know, we're going to come back and crush these boys, but we never, we never really could. And so that's why I say it was disappointment. Yeah, it, it, it was. And, um, you know, I think folks can point to the defense, but as Coach Desermo said, when you leave a defense on the field that much, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, off, he, he put it on the offense. He, you know, he talked about his play calling and needing better play at quarterback and needing to do a better job and all of that. Um, offensively, Gerald, in, in your opinion, through three games, give me your, what you're, you're most pleased with and through three games, I think, I guess what your, your biggest concern is now going into week four. Well, we, we talked before the first game, Scott, and we, and we talked about what, what uh, I'd hoped to see coming out of the first game. And, but, and, you know, going beyond just the quarterback play and the offensive line play, which were the two big questions coming into the season. And, and, and I told you my hope was to, to, see, to find the identity of what this Cajun team is going to be and what this Cajun offense is going to be. And through the first three weeks, I, I don't know what that is yet. Um, and that, you know, is concerning to me. I think that there has been some inconsistency running the football. There's been some inconsistency throwing the football. There's been some inconsistency catching the football. Um, and, and that has been concerning. The, the bright spot for me is I think that there's been flashes from all of the above concerned positions that they, they have the ability to execute it. It's just the consistency of getting it done. And the other thing is the tight end position. I, I think the tight end position is playing well uh, and, and is showing itself. And, and you know, your play caller used to be the tight end coach, so maybe that has something to do with the exposure in the position. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the tight end's there. And, look, I, I think the defense has been a bright spot. I, I really do. I think that, uh, you know, they, they've been able to, to, to hold their own with, you know, albeit not, not – the best of offenses, but but they're getting the, the offenses have gotten better every week, and the defense has been able to match them every week, and um and then that comes to special teams too. That that has been a concern. We've we've given up some return returns uncharacteristic in the past few years, but we've had you know a couple of kickoff returns that have, that have gone further than we're used to, and they had a punt return that ended up almost being like a, a turnover. Defense had to come in and get a stop there, and um. Yeah. So, but you also had a kickoff, a punt return for a touchdown too. So, the 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 chances for it all to happen are there. The consistency of it is what what's concerning. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Joe Broussard, our guest um, at quarterback. You know, Coach Desimo said after the game he didn't really want to comment on what their plans were. He wanted to watch the tape and. You know, he told me Monday in our one-on-one, he reiterated on Monday at the press conference that it still remains the same as far as Chandler is the starter, Woldridge in his role. He said, look, Chandler didn't play good. He would be the first to tell you that. Ben played a little better, but but he didn't play great either. He'd be the first to tell you that. We got to be better there. But he said any anything, any decisions we make on any position, but – Quarterbacks the one that gets talked about the most. Is it going to be based on a single game or single single performance? It's going to be based on a large sample size of a lot of things that led to a point. If a change is made, it's not going to be because of something that just happened. Gerald, when you play two quarterbacks, um, and that's what the Cajuns are doing, and 
if they play good, if they play bad, no matter what, and we said this before the season, after every game, it is going to be a story. It's the nature of the position. You can play multiple anything at any other spot. When you do it at quarterback, it's always going to be a topic of conversation. Um, where, where are you at as far as how this has worked through the first couple of games? And, you know, do, do you what are your thoughts on each of them? You know, because we heard before the season, you don't have to change the playbook a ton. Coach Desimo told me maybe third down is a little different as far as play calling goes with those two guys because, you know, he knows what their comfort level is in certain things. But outside of third downs, he says his play calling would probably be the same with the two guys. Coach Leger said they're they're really similar in skill set, but you've now you've now seen them both for three games. What is your assessment of the Cajuns' approach to it after three games and each of those guys' performances after three games? Well, and, and I think that and, you know it, it's it's obvious that you they're both capable, and you hope that they're capable of playing better than they have. Uh, I, I think that you you see flashes from both that, but again. Like I mentioned about the other stuff, the inconsistency of it from both of the both of the players is is what's causing uh, the conversation. And and I was asked yesterday if if the Cajuns have a quarterback uh, competition again. Is there a quarterback controversy? Well, until one guy plays good, then you're gonna have it. If Chandler plays good, then it doesn't matter what Ben does when he comes in. And then I understand the, the, the decision to get Ben in and, and talking when listening, not talking with, but listening to Coach Desimo, uh, he talks about Ben has earned the right to get a series from here and there, every now and then and, uh, you know, one in the first half, one in the second half, and then go go what happens after that. And and that's not unique. And to me, that's that's uh, that's different than, than alternating quarterbacks or truly playing two quarterbacks. That's just giving a guy a series here and there. But but he was he's always been or has been uh, very clear that Chandler's a starter, Ben is the backup. Right now, I think that's the case. I think it may could have changed had Ben played better. And and I say when I say played better had uh, had better results. Uh, I, I I like when Ben comes in with the enthusiasm he brings. Uh, you know, watching him enter the game, watching him coming on and off the sideline with his teammates and stuff like that, and and just the way he is and trying to bring a spark to the offense. Uh, and he he's putting a lot of effort into trying to get that done. Bottom line is though is that you know you're not paid to be enthusiastic, you're paid or, or your playing time will be judged on your ability to get the football team to move. And and, and so I think that if he's going to continue to get opportunities, how much the opportunities he'll get will be based on his ability to move the football team while he's in there. And also Chandler's lack of ability. I think Chandler started the game out, uh, had some things go wrong, had some opportunities to move the ball in his first drive, get him out of a penalty situation, but his teammates let him down. And when I say that, let him down, I mean, the ball wasn't caught. That was going to get him a first down. And you just don't know what's going to happen after that because it, it took a long time for the Cajuns to get a first down. It's got to took their fourth quarter to get 100 yards. And and so, you know, it, neither one of them has the, the true athletic ability just to put it pull it down and go to the house like every now and then Levi would do. You know, and so I think that, you know, they they need their teammates to play well behind them 
or with them, not behind them, but just with them. And um, so I, 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 you know, I, I know what coach is talking about. I know what he's trying to do with the deal. I know what he said. He said what he's supposed to say and is going to say, uh, but they're going to keep pushing them. And then, um, you know, I think that if, if you ask both players, I think they'll both tell you that they're not playing the way they'd hope to play and want to play. And I'm, I, I, I firmly expect them to be in, in, the, in the building and trying to get better and working with Coach Vietor and Coach Desimo. And, and, and look, they don't have to play beyond their own abilities. They just got to play up to their abilities. And if they do do that, then I think we'll be okay. And if they do that this week, and they should be. They're more talented team than ULM. Um, yes, sir. I think, you know, just just last two things on the game at Rice. Um, when you're when you're still plus in the turnover margin by two and, and you lose by double digits, it, it means you had a really bad offensive night, and they did. Last thing I wanted to ask you about um, uh, in regards to that game is you mentioned in the last segment about, you know, scuffles or things between the whistles and O-linemen. You know, uh, there. I was talking to Coach about this Monday. They're, they're trash talking, trying to get in the head of your opponent. It's fair game, uh, but there are certain lines that shouldn't be crossed. And I know that number fifty-two for Rice, Braden Nutter, was um, grabbing you know Jordan Quibido in 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 the privates, and you know Quibido took a, a swing when it happened, right when it happened, and he got a fifteen-yarder for it. Um, there's also, you know, uh, Chris Moncrief said that he was using, you know, racial slurs toward him. A uh, player for McNeese on social media claimed that he did the same thing the week before. I mean, Gerald, as a coach, you know, and a former offensive lineman, when if a player comes over and says, hey, somebody's somebody's doing this, I mean, what can you what can you do as a coach? I mean, do you tell the officials? Should you, should you tell the other coach? Because, like I said, there are just certain lines that should never be crossed. No, and, and, and I've had some, some issues with, with some things that have gone. And, look, I wasn't um, – I, I wasn't dirty, but, you know, I, I would do things to agitate people. Just Scott, I wasn't a good enough athlete to go and chase some of them fellas around. I think I've told the story, and I, I think I've told you the story. I was playing against Johnny Robinson from Louisiana Tech, who ended up being a second-round draft choice. I'm 19 years old, playing him at Cajun Field, and at the end of the yeah. play, we're running – it's like the first play of the game. And we're running a tall sweep to my side, and I, I'm supposed to stretch and, and reach him. And if I can't get him hooked, just keep pushing the back of work on me, old Rodney Smith, bless his heart. Uh, so I, I take him to the sideline, and then the, back then, the Cajun field was surrounded by lagustrums, big old bushes. And, uh, and I, like I said, I didn't talk a lot, but I always would do stuff towards the end of the play, maybe after the play, not after the play, but just, you know, to the whistle. Right beyond, yeah, yeah, the echo of the whistle. There you go. And so so anyway, I got to the bushes, and I was like, oh, I'm going to throw him in the bushes. And so I kind of shoved him, and, and he held on to me, and we both kind of ended up near the bushes, and he looked at me, and he said, I watched you on film, fat boy. It's going to be a long – he didn't call me fat boy. Call me white boy. He said, it's going to be a long night for you, white boy. And, Scott, I don't think I touched him the rest of the night. And uh, he, he made me look so bad and want to apologize after it. And he he handled it that way. I went against another guy who was an all-conference player for Southern Illinois, a guy named James Phillips. Cover their media guy. He played a little bit, but not a lot in the NFL. But he was an off-season campus police, and they made a big deal of it. 
And Scott, I got him so mad. He was swinging at me and all that stuff. And I kept, and, and I'm going to lie, I spit at him. And, and uh, you know, and I just, I was just trying to agitate him because I could, I wasn't going to beat him up, but I, he wasn't going to hurt me. He could punch me all he wanted. Didn't bother me. Uh, and, and, you know, same year, I, I went against Richard Bird for Southern Miss. And he didn't say a word as I tried to agitate him. So everybody had intended to be the better ones never said nothing. But but so I was that kind of agitating type of guy. Uh, and, and people handled it different. As a coach, if I had that, I, I'd go straight to the other coach. And I, as Coach Dez, I mean, he, he, he'd go to the head coach. But if, if I'm the deep, I'm going to the offensive line coach. And I'm, I'm going at him. And, and, uh, and, and they, they, I, I would have a conversation. I had conversations after games. I had conversations the Sunday after games with coaches if, if something like that was brought up. And, and, and look, I, I called other coaches. As, as somebody on our – one of the guys I was coaching may have done things. Bill Johnson was was a defensive line coach at, at Texas A&M. We were playing him when I was coaching at Magnese. And I had one of my guys' roundhouse kick a dude. And, and I called Bill and I said, look, we don't, we don't coach that. I don't, I, I, I mean, it shouldn't have never happened. I promise you I'm going to handle that with the fellow. And, and Bill was like, big T don't worry about it. Hey, he, he didn't mean to hurt nobody. He didn't hurt nobody anyway, you know? And so he just kind of left it alone. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are ways to address it that you do address it. And, and if it is happening with the same guy, and if it's come from, Certain schools, I would anticipate Dr. Maggard to get involved with Coach Des talking to the head coach, Dr. Maggard talking to the AD, and and going to commissioners and talking about it. if it is something that's that bad. But it, but look, as a player, I mean, if you react, you're gonna get caught. We saw if you, and so you just get. I mean, and I know it's easy for us to say, but uh, and and you know, I don't know what it is to to be a minority or to get like you said a, right. a racial slur to me was white boy getting called to me, which that didn't bother me. Yeah, uh, that's but not that's not anyways, really a you it's know, different. Yeah, you know, right. and so um, you know, it just I think as as coaches, you gotta you gotta continue to stay with your guys and coach your guys and and try and get them to maintain their composure and 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 and, and let them know and and anticipate those things happen and let them. It's all part of, of, of coaching when you deal with it. And, look, I hadn't heard anything about Rice being that way. I, I did see it during the game, uh, you know, the video of the guy, you know, goosing somebody and all that stuff. And, look, I'm, my hand has slipped into private parts too sometimes. <laughs> Just, and, and, and I've gotten grabbed also. And, and you know, but I, I had different people react to it. I had one guy so frustrated, Scott, he was crying. And we had scored, and I'm laughing at him for crying. And then it was field goal protection, and Scotty got me back because you know as offensive lineman, all you do is you just step inside and hold on. And he took it. He hit me under the chin, and I just said, "Okay, you win this one, but I will be back." In the trenches with Gerald Broussard. Gee, last thing, man. Um, Cajuns, you know, you haven't had to see him come off of a loss since last year, Week One at Texas. What, what there's a list of things you definitely want to see Saturday. Uh, and if you don't see it, you know, the concern level could arise. What's the number one thing on the list for you? And then we'll let you run. It, I, to me, it's the mentality and the attitude in which they come to play with. Not, 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 not a cockiness, but just a confidence in there. You're going to ULM. Michael's had some really good games up there. 
you know, uh, and so I anticipate him going up there. I know Coach Coach Morgan's been up there. I know Coach Munoz has been up there. Coach Vietar going back up there. Uh, you know, and, and and I think that it's something. Look, and, and and Jay and Cody and I get to go, and man, I don't like that trip. I just don't. And we've had some good games and some success, but I just don't like it, especially at seven at night. That's when you know they hate you. They play the game at seven, and then you got to come home. But but I I, I I just want to see the attitude of the team, and we want to see execution. We want to see better play out of all the positions. But I am uh, Scott. I am a fan of what ULM is doing. They're playing a lot of young guys. When we talked earlier before the Eastern Michigan, we talked about all the graduates and seniors on that team. Uh, how about that? Eastern Michigan gets big Herm fired. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, but going up there and, and looking at the roster for ULM. Scott, they're young. They are young, and they are playing a ton of people. And um, so they're, they're going to get better. I know they've, they've been beat down a couple times, but they're going to get better as they go, and they're trying to make some things happen there just by getting a lot of guys in and keeping some enthusiasm. And the Cajuns will have to match that. But but I, just the attitude in, in which they carry themselves to come off the adversity, and, and you know what they, they say, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's going to, your character will be revealed here. And so, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I'm, I'm anxious to see the character that shows up. And you'll be able to see it. We'll be able to see it from the booth. You'll be able to see it if you're watching. Joe Broussard has been our guest. He and Jay Walker have the call in the booth this Saturday in Monroe. Cajuns against the Warhawks. Cody Juno on the sideline. Five o'clock pregame show begins right here on ESPN Lafayette. The rest of the network joins at six. Kickoff just after seven from Learfield. Gerald, always great talking ball with you every Wednesday, man. I appreciate you joining me from the road. Safe travels and look forward to hearing you uh, on the call Saturday night. No doubt. Stay safe, my friend.